Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. This episode is called Airline X-Files. I've been meaning to do this episode for a while because I have stories about angels and ghosts, (laughs) unexplained events, strange happenings. Basically, airline paranormal, if you will. (laughs) Actually, a lot of the stories are very funny and interesting, and some are even touching. So I'm not drawing any conclusions from any of these stories. I'm not saying I believe in ghosts, I believe in angels. All I'm saying is that you never know. Let's get on to those airline X files. I do about a ghost on the airplane. It was the L-1011. I was working the lower galley and I set all the carts up for takeoff. And when I came downstairs after takeoff, my carts were rearranged. There, rearranged? Yeah, there was, well, one cart was rearranged. The other one stayed. One cart came off and reparked itself in a whole nother spot. Yes, it well, didn't just back up into another spot. It backed up, turned, and pushed itself back into a whole other spot. <laughs> carts can do that. <laughs> yes, all by themselves. I mean, and, and the plane was only going up. It wasn't like it was going left, right, right. forward, back, down. Up. You know, the L-1011s were famous for having rumors of ghosts. Yeah, and this was the plane. I forget what the ship number was. Everybody said that this particular ship was haunted, and I was working the galley. And then also on that... Did you feel weird the rest of the time down there, though? No, I, I like ghosts. <laughs> I, I hope to see one someday, but I, preferably not alone and not in my house. But on an airplane, it would be fine. Um, I, I had more than that happen. A lot of things happened that flight. During, during uh, boarding, when I was setting up the galley, there was a loud boom. Just like I don't, It sounded like somebody above the, above the galley jumped really hard. But nothing happened. And every single one of my cupboards opened up. Every single one of them. Not just one, not just two. They all went poof, and they all popped open. Was there any feeling down there, like a bad feeling? or a- No. In fact, later on during the flight, I was pulling a tray out of the lift that we have all the cans. I was, I was putting them away. So I had this heavy tray in my hand, hands, they're using both hands. And there was nowhere to put it down. So I said out loud to myself, I wish I had somewhere to put this. And after I said that, I felt a little bump on my bum. And I turned around and there was a cart. It had just rolled from, from its spot. And I turned around and I said, thank you. And I put it down. <laughs> I swear to God. I swear to God. All of this is true. I believe you. And, yeah, thank you. 
because there were so many people that had that L1011 that said there was a ghost. I don't know what else to call it, but it was like certainly something like metaphysical or something that helped me. Well, I used to lay over in London all the time, right? And you know, I think they do this expressly for flight attendants. They paint on the sidewalk, like, look to your right. (laughs) That's That's helpful, actually. Few people know that that's made expressly for flight attendants on layovers. No, but this is a true story. I was standing there on the, at an intersection waiting to cross the street, and no matter how many times you look at the sidewalk, it's just habit that you look the wrong way. I started to step out in the street, and I felt this arm like pull me back onto the curb. And at that very moment, a taxi came like driving really fast, like over 40 miles an hour, and the mirror hit my arm and it really hurt but I would have been run over not for this arm I turn around to like say thank you to the person there's nobody there within like 10 feet I mean it was really creep maybe farther I'm bad at describing distances but no one within reach at all and no one was even looking at me so I really felt like it was some sort of guardian angel or whatever you want to call it Hearing voices far, far away I'm watching an airplane crossing the sky Okay, so you have an L-1011 story? (laughs) Yes, I do. I was downstairs in the galley of the L-1011, which is where we prepare the food. I don't know if everybody knows that. Um, By yourself. By ourselves. And so I was new, and I'm very, very scared of ghosts. And so they were telling me that this was the L-1011 that was pieced together from some of the other um, airplanes from crashes and that there's rumors that this um, plane was haunted. So I'm down there and did not want to be down there, but I was the most junior flight attendant, and that's where they put me. So I was down there to prepare the meals, and all of a sudden um, we have a cargo bin where the um, guys load up all of the... Luggage, thank you. And so all of a sudden, out of the blue, I'm saying, oh, the story is that a pilot, the pilot that saved the people is the one that haunts the um, the downstairs galley. And I've heard there are rumors that sometimes if there's something wrong with a plane, which there were often things wrong with that plane, <laughs> he would go and tell somebody. He would say, excuse me, but your engine's on fire or whatever. Yeah, they people would be like, who was that pilot? Yes, exactly. And then he would disappear. So they're telling me all these stories. They're getting me good and scared. And then I'm down there in the galley by myself preparing, and I'm very, very edgy. And all of a sudden, one of the panels opens up downstairs, which I wasn't expecting. And on most L1011s down there, the panels are solid on this one particular one. It opens up, and there's a man standing there, and he says, well, hello there. (laughs) I started screaming bloody murder. <laughs> you could hear my screams, I think, ten planes down the down the, the concourse. Upstairs, I heard you. And the passengers happened to be boarding at that time. A lot of them didn't know that there's a galley downstairs and a flight attendant that's downstairs. And all of a sudden, they hear these horrific screams coming from the floor as they're boarding. Well, they all stopped. Some of them ran off. 
<laughs> the flight attendant at the boarding door had to call me and say, what in the world is going on down there? And I, I just can't stop screaming. I'm just staring at him screaming. And he started laughing. <laughs> just laughing. Well, then I felt very stupid and bad afterwards, but it was... Right. <laughs> I had no idea that that would ever open up because on the other L-1011s, yeah, yeah. I've never seen it where it was a removable panel. This was just a solid wall, and all of a sudden, here's this man appearing when I'm thinking that some pilot's going to show up and tell me something's wrong with the airplane, and then all of a sudden, I turn around, there's this man's face squeezed into a panel saying, hello there. (laughs) He scared you. So as I was collecting stories for this ghost and angel episode of Betty in the Sky with the Suitcase, I remembered that when I first started flying, there were a lot of stories. I wasn't based in LA when I first started flying. And there were a lot of stories about the LA layover hotel, which was the Huntley House. And everybody said it was haunted. They had this, um, everybody had stories about how there were all these suicides in the hotel. They would blame on the ghosts and all the different flight attendants had different stories about things that had happened to them when they were at this hotel. I, I always wanted to see a ghost. (laughs) That might be a little crazy, but I have not had, I'd have no ghost stories, but I remember flight attendant telling me this story after a layover at the Huntley house. And she said that she got up, you know, in the morning and she couldn't find her shoes anywhere. You know, she's been in her room. She's had the lock on the door, the latch on the door, and her shoes were nowhere to be found, which was really confounding. You know, where in the world could they go? You can't lose them. It's a hotel room. And as flight crew, we never open the hotel drawers because we're not ever in a hotel long enough, just one night always, to put stuff away. It's always just in your suitcase. You might hang something up, but you never put anything in a drawer. Not just not there long enough. And she said, eventually, she opened one of the drawers in the dresser, and there were her shoes. Now, you might not realize how strange that is, but there's no way. Why would somebody come in and move her shoes? How could they even get in? So she had no way of explaining how her shoes ended up in that drawer. There's a taxi cab that's waiting for me outside Try to tell him that there is nowhere to go to But he still urges me get inside One night I was laying on my back And I happened to wake up And I noticed my hand was up in the air And I looked up on the headboard And there was an angel, I actually saw an angel and she was holding my hand. What did she look like? She was just beautiful. She did have wings. She did? She did. And she, I looked up at her, and my hand was up in the air. She was holding it, and she smiled down at me. And then she flew across the bed, and as she flew past me, I could see her wings. And every feather was identical. It was the most beautiful thing I ever saw. Are you sure it wasn't a dream? No, it wasn't. A, I was wide awake. And I said to her as she was flying past me, I said, please don't leave me. And she just disappeared. Just when I think that my mind is all gone, and I just stay just for me. It's a prayer. Oh, 
kind of a strange story more oh, this happened several years ago we were flying from Orlando to Cleveland it was very late at night it was on a, a flight that had been delayed delayed all day long and, and it happened about I'm guessing 1 30 in the morning something like that real dark real, real late eastern Kentucky around there you know West Virginia I was looking across the cockpit and I out the window and I looked you know, past my first officer, I said, oh, look, the moon's coming up. Because at night, sometimes when the moon comes up, it's that real orange kind of a glow. Yeah. It looked exactly like the moon coming up. But it wasn't. It was a big fire. And it was so so big that a lot of airplanes, it was, I'm guessing, maybe 100 miles away from us. So it was a long ways off. And uh, But other airplanes start talking about, right. on, the, on the radio, start talking about this fire. And it grew from something fairly small to something really big, really fast. And so much so that people are talking about a mushroom cloud oh and and how the uh, smoke, and it was a very clear night, but they, so you could see the smoke, the, the smoke from it climbed through, well, it went through our altitude, and we were at 33,000 feet in, in, in a matter of minutes, which is, you know, when you think about how much heating, en- heating energy that is to... You know, a thunderstorm doesn't build that fast. I mean, it's huge. But it was so big that I think it was Cleveland Center we are talking to. They are vectoring airplanes around it. And nobody knew what it was. Cleveland Center didn't know what it was. But they actually issued a warning to pilots, you know, from that area, you know, big fire, whatever. But they actually used the words possible nuclear detonation. Oh, my goodness. And we're like, holy, I mean, it was just this all happened in about five minutes and we got close enough to it so that way off in the distance I could see the area on the ground and it was just this huge area several square miles on fire just burning like and it I mean it, it would look like an inferno I mean we talked and talked and it's all over the radio and we end up we land in Cleveland and the van driver picks us up and I asked him did you hear anything on the radio about a big explosion or a mine explosion or a fire or he's like what are you talking about? I said, you haven't heard it. So we're listening to the radio the whole way. Get into the hotel. I go to my room and I turn on headline news. Nothing. I watched it for two hours waiting for something to come on. Never heard a word. Nothing. So the next morning we got up and we flew back to Orlando and we took off. And it wasn't on the news. wasn't in the paper. I asked Cleveland Center on the way out. I said, did you ever find out what that thing was last night? And they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm going, you know, there was traffic avoidance issued about it. And he goes, I didn't hear anything about it. And, I, I mean, I went home and I looked on the Internet around, you know, the Pittsburgh papers, the, uh, Charleston, West Virginia, any of the papers in that area, nothing was mentioned about it. So I never did find out what it was. It, I have no idea what it was. It was the strangest thing I, I've ever seen. But I've never heard the words possible nuclear detonation on the radio before. So, yeah, exactly. So this flight attendant told me a story, but she was hesitant to be recorded. You know, when people talk about things that are hard to explain, that have a paranormal aspect to them, they sometimes don't are afraid people will think they're a little kooky. So she didn't want to be recorded. So I'll tell you her story. She said it was many years ago. She was driving down the freeway and it was pouring down rain and her car just died. She managed to get it off the side of the road, but it was before cell phones and 
you know, she needs to get to a call box. She's afraid to walk to it because this, you know, she's heard things on the news about what can happen to women on the side of the road. But, you know, she's she's got to do something. So she gets up her nerve and she decides she's going to get out and walk to that call box. And she gets out and it's raining. And this guy pulls over in a car, gets out in a suit. And she said he was a really nice looking man. And she she wasn't afraid of him. And he said, don't worry, you know, I, I won't hurt you. I just, I just want to help. I'll walk you. I'll walk you to the call box. And she was like, oh, thank you. She walks to the call box and she calls AAA and he says, don't worry, I'll walk you back to your car. Everything's all right. And she's like, thank you so much. So they walk back to her car. It's pouring down rain. And he says, you know what? I'll just stand here and I'll wait with you until AAA comes. And she was like, I, I, I don't know how to repay you. Thank you so much. So she gets in, she locks her door, and AAA comes, they they help her, he leaves, and she said for days something was bothering her about the man. And she said like three days later, she woke up in the middle of the night, sits up in bed and realizes he wasn't wet. Interesting, huh? Now darkness is my favorite color, and I'm loving the sound of the cold. Okay, well, we had a, a young mother who was in the military traveling from Germany. She was going to be stationed in Victorville, California. She was traveling with her daughter, who was probably about three or four years old, maybe three years old, traveling all day, all night type of thing, sitting all the way in the back of the airplane. And her daughter just went into this raging fit. She couldn't be consoled. And to the point where she just screamed and screamed and screamed, threw herself on the floor. We all tried, you know, and passengers are getting concerned, and she's just screaming and screaming and screaming and screaming, crying, crying, nothing, nothing. We're doing our service, and she still continues. We turn down the lights. We finish our service. I was in the galley, and before I know it, the baby has stopped crying. And I said, wow, she finally settled down. So I looked out the galley, and I see the mother by herself. Said, Where's the baby? And she pointed up the aisle. Now, up the aisle is a man sitting in one of our seats holding the baby. And she's now she's totally quiet. She's resting on his shoulder, and she's perfectly content now. And he's just kind of rocking her a little bit. So I went back to the mother to talk to her. And this is where we started picking up the story that... She was relocating. She had no husband. There was no father involved. I said, maybe she misses her dad. She says, no, there's no father involved. I'm coming to a totally new area. I don't have child care. I'm going to have to. I'm trying to. She tried to arrange child care from Germany. So they'd been up all night, all day. It was a change for the baby and, you know, on and on and on. And to the point where the mother was now crying because she was so upset. But she was glad the baby was quiet now. So the baby, we just continued doing what we normally do. And before you know it, the baby's back with her. She's asleep on the seat next to her. We said, wow, who was that man? Do you know we couldn't find him? Really? We couldn't find him. I remember him having, you know, a checkered shirt on. So I went up the aisle looking at the back of people. I never saw the front of him looking at the back of people and so two of us couldn't find him so we you know what we just dropped it and like you said I woke up two days later in the middle of the night going 
oh my God, that was an angel. Because we never found the passenger again. And he's the only one that could settle her down. Just when the waitress says she's a man, the cook stops to sing, let it be, let it be. It's paranormal, so nice outside. Won't try to guess what it all means. A, a friend of mine was an agent in Salt Lake, and they were, I think, boarding one of the planes where you board from the forward door, 76 or 75. And they knew that there were like two or three, they were carrying two or three human remains, bodies, down below in the cargo, right? And so they were boarding, and it was toward the end of the boarding process. The, most of the passengers were on board. Both the lead flight attendant and one of the mechanics said they distinctly heard a little voice from below the floor oh saying, help, help me, me. Oh help me. And they were, it wasn't a passenger who said this. This was the, one of the working flight attendants. And uh, one of the said, help me, help me. So, of course, they delayed the flight. They had to open the cargo hold. And they actually had to check the, the boxes. Of, and there was nothing. The coffins? Yeah. I mean, they weren't sure what to do. But the flight was delayed several hours. They had to offload the, the coffins. My, my friend said they never did determine what it was. Like a ghost? They never did determine what it was. Just when I think that my mind is all gone, just for me. So I'm going to tell you this story. This flight attendant just told me this really good story, but she didn't want to be recorded because she doesn't like the sound of her own voice, which I find very interesting because I'd say 95% of the people I go to interview say the same thing. Oh, no, I hate my voice. It seems to be this universal insecurity we seem to have as humans. We just don't like the sound of our own voice, which is a little weird, but... I'm definitely included in that 95%. The first time I heard myself on Fly With Me, Joe's podcast, the first time I was ever in this podcast game, I was just appalled at the sound of my voice and thought, well, I certainly can't do anything with that. I've got that terrible voice. But you know, you just got to get over it. You know, it might not be how it sounds in your head, but it is your voice. So anyway, she told this story about how she was on a military flight and on the military flights, when we take the soldiers over to the war, many flight attendants will collect either letters or drawings from students at various schools. And when they do drawings, we'll, we'll uh, tape them up all over the walls of the airplane and make the soldiers feel good. You know, there'll be things like, you know, you're my hero or thank you so much for all you do. And uh, on the flight she was on, this other flight attendant had collected letters from second graders to give to the soldiers as they were going to Iraq. And um, as happens on a lot of the military charters, the soldiers are just wiped out. They are so tired that they're all sleeping. But she had all these letters and she didn't want them to go to waste. So she asked all the other flight attendants if they could go around all the sleeping soldiers and put the letters like under their rucksacks or anywhere in their belongings that they would find them when they wake up so that they would have a letter. So all the flight attendants went all around the plane, you know, putting these letters by the sleeping soldiers. And this one guy, when he woke up, came and found this flight attendant and said, 
what is this letter? Where did this come from? What, what, I, I don't understand who this, where, where's this letter from? And she explained, you know, very simple that, you know, that they had gotten these letters from the second graders to give to the soldiers because, you know, they wanted to show how much we care about them. And she, and he was like, this is just so weird. And she was like, you know, what's up? What's wrong? And he explained that while he was sleeping on that flight, going over to go to war, he had a dream about a young girl named Angela. And he said later, he doesn't know any Angela's. And here was this young little girl and she was worried about him. And she kept saying that she wanted to take care of him. She hoped he was okay. And you know, that she was worried about him. And he thought it was very strange that this little girl was worried about him, a grown man going off to war. And he was thinking, you know, what can she do? <laughs> She's a little girl. And he wakes up and he sees a letter. He opens it up and the letter said, be careful. I love you, Angela. And that's why he went to find the flight attendant. He just thought that was so strange. He's like, what does this mean? I don't know any Angels. It's just so weird that I would have a dream about a little girl named Angela. And here's a letter from a little girl named Angela, who I've never met. And the flight attendant said to him, well, maybe Angela's your angel that will be with you to keep you safe while you're in Iraq. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you've enjoyed our airline X-Files stories. And even if you don't believe in ghosts or angels, hopefully you still thought they were fun stories. And I hope you'll join me again next time for another episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. Thanks. Bye. Try to guess what it all means.